I think many of us have dreams in us that it's like, there's a sense of, I've waited way too long for this, or I've been working way too hard and nothing is happening. Today, I'm speaking with a truly inspiring woman by the name of Sarah Davison Tracy. Sarah is the founder of Seeds of Exchange, and she's also an author, an activist, a philanthropist, and an overall warrior for social justice. Sarah's book, No Longer Untouchable, A Story of Human Trafficking, Heroism, and Hope, reveals the stories of four young girls, so-called untouchable young women, who were rescued several years after they were kidnapped from Nepal and trafficked into India's red light district. Not long after this podcast was recorded, Sarah and the four young women had the opportunity to meet with Nepal's leader, the Right Honorable President Bhandari, to celebrate the release of their stories in this groundbreaking work. I'll have Sarah back again when the documentary on the subject is released, but in the meantime, please enjoy my conversation with Sarah Davison Tracy. So welcome to One Person Acted. Sarah, I'm so happy to see you. It's just joy in my heart every time I see you. So welcome <laughs> Sarah Davison Tracy to the podcast. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. This is a treat. I was trying to think the last time that uh, I that we saw one another was two months ago when uh, you had one of your, I don't yeah. know if I should say famous, but well-loved <laughs> community gatherings at your house. And I brought a girlfriend with me. Um, we are both still talking about it. And it's one of the things I definitely want you to talk about today because your sense of community and how you bring yourself into the world and bring others with you is part of your secret sauce. It's your magic. So, um, that was a yeah, night. Well, I can't wait to talk time. about it. It was a night. Yeah. <laughs> Very moving talks by a couple of women and mm. fundraising and food and community and delicious food. So Ethiopian food, all, the, all the good things, night. <laughs> all the good things. That's right. That's right. Um, so we, and also we've known each other for, I think now maybe five, six years. Yeah met you at Barnes and Noble. I couldn't remember where I met you, but I was getting to talk about my book and here you were in the yeah. audience. And I still remember seeing your like shining face out there, like don't know who this <laughs> is, but she's nodding and making me feel like somebody's actually listening. So oh, that was an auspicious amazing. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. It um, was. So this is a big week for you, like a very big week for you. Um, I'll just start by telling people that uh, this book just came out, released on Monday, seven years in the making, I believe. Um, it's called No Longer Untouchable, A Story of Human Trafficking, Heroism, and Hope. And we're going to get into this book in, in a lot of detail and, and, and how, uh, how, it, how it all began, how it was, you know, how you came to meet the storytellers in the book. Um, but just say a little bit about how the release is going and how the, how the work is going this week. Oh my gosh. Well, the release is going great. We just found out about 24 hours ago that we hit uh, number one in uh, on Amazon for new releases uh, of our book, which was exciting. You're kidding. Um, yeah, that was really awesome. That's, and what, that's awesome. That's huge. Well, it is huge because this was probably our, you know, how this launch went was probably our 10th iteration of, of what our plans were on how this would go because of COVID and dates and in-person versus virtual. And it just, what, what we finally landed on was we're going to launch it, release it into the world. And uh, the only way it's going to make a big splash is if our community helps with this virility of, of sharing it with people. Cause we didn't have right. the opportunity of, you know, a big splash of a, of a gathering. Yeah. And so oh, for me, right. as you said, it, it just solidified for me, the why of our, our global community of sisters yeah. and brothers and what 
how we need each other to do just about anything with any impact, any meaning. And um, yes, it's been a week of celebration and making connections with brand new people. And um, it's been great. It's been great. Really happy to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I will talk about it, but I, I told you, I love that book. I couldn't put it down. I, I was afraid to read it. It's on the story of human trafficking, which is one of the most painful subjects and, and yes. situations that's going on in the planet and always has. And, uh, and yet I, I just, it was so easy for me to read because of the, the love and the authenticity and the, the truth and the hope ends on hope. So I think when you know a book like that begins and maybe begins rough, but ends with great hope that, that, that helps you pull through it a little bit, even if it's a difficult subject. So um, we've we kind of joked about... around with it, but it's like, we keep saying like, you know, spoiler alert, you know, it does end in hope. And so yeah, that's important, you know, not all of us like to know the end of the story. <laughs> of a movie or a book or whatever. But when a right. book is this hard, mm-hmm. when the stories, when you're reading about, you know, young girls being trafficked, abducted, coerced, and taken to brothels, to red light districts in India, I, I don't think it's possible. I could not personally read that story without knowing that this little girl right. ends up being free, you know, yeah. and she is thriving today and she is... Right. So that's why yeah. we just kept saying, like, we. Ca- I'm glad you felt yeah, that we kept I, trying to pull this thread of hope through the whole thing. Like, yeah. the light's coming. <laughs> the light's coming. And, and, the, and it was throughout. So, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about it a little bit more. Awesome. So, as you know, this podcast is about individuals who've committed themselves to really tackle some one or many uh, problems mm-hmm. that seem in, intractable, that seem embedded in the world, you know, whether it's climate change or trafficking or poverty or just the divisions that we're having in our own country. And, um, and so really we want to get to know you as a person who has committed and, and what has made you become that kind of a world changer person who's willing to take on those really difficult challenges. Um, mm. You've been on this journey for quite a while though. This isn't like this week started something new. So I just, um, we have a lot of different parts of your life that we're going to talk about and, and your journey, but maybe we can begin with Seeds of Exchange, your organization, and just the, the whys and the wherefores of that organization and, you know, kind of how it started. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So Seeds you of Exchange. talk a lot about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. How many days do we have on this? Open the doors. Yeah. The floodgates. <laughs> I will try to do some bite-sized pieces of, of the, the why and the what of seeds. Okay. So seeds of exchange is just is kind of rooted in this belief that when we gather together to make a difference in our neighborhoods or in far-flung parts of the world, mm-hmm. our lives, like our, our individual lives, light up. We feel good. It feels good to make a difference. It feels good to feel like you're a part of something uh, bigger than yourself. And it actually, for me, what I fundamentally believe is that it it makes our everyday life um, feel like there's more glitter of meaning and purpose and mm-hmm. connection. And so we use these tools of storytelling, of um, kind of gathering, finding ways to gather community to be together to learn from each other and then uh, really try to find ways to say, hey, try this, donate, Um, come in and learn, hear from this amazing friend of mine and learn this story or find one thing that you might do in your daily life to be a part of whatever uh, cause we are talking about, be it human trafficking or education or all the things that, that we love to shine a light on. So it's kind of this weaving together of all of these different parts that have stories, giving, and community tied together. So is there a central theme? I mean, I know human rights is one of the themes, which if you were to, rather than it being vague, like it, you know, it sounds a little vague because you don't know what you're working on specifically from that description. 
even though I've experienced it and I know how storytelling and and that's how you go through, that's how you bring the the community together and how you do the work through storytelling, fundraising, community gathering. And, and, and then we'll talk about what you're doing with the, the book, the, the, um, efforts that are going out both here in Nepal and around the world that yes. will be a result of this book and people knowing about it. But if you were to d- define or if you were to characterize somehow uh, the seeds of exchange, like what is its mission? Because I know you yeah. have missions and you have, I've, I've read your mission statement. Yeah. Yeah. So our key at the heart of what we do, it's inspiring people to make a difference locally and globally. Yeah. Okay. And what I love about that is when you gather a community of people, everyone has different destinies. Everyone has different superpowers and ways to make a difference. So it's not like everyone has to be in the human trafficking, um, looking to make an impact, looking to combat human trafficking. Some people are going to want to focus on, you know, food scarcity or, um, did we lose each other? Ah, food scarcity (laughs) or the environment or, I mean, but that's the beautiful thing about community and our, our unique ways of being called to make a difference that I, I love kind of shining, putting a mic up to people and shining a light on all the diverse ways we are yeah. here to do that. Well, so, but, and also that is one of the things I love about it is that it's not just for people. You're trying to help people in a, a country that's developing country or it's not just one area, but it's, right. it's you, you also invite people from who could live next door to you or live down the street yes. from you. Um, I know at your last community gathering, which we'll talk about um, what those are for and, and how and when you do them. But yeah, the, the storytellers were so diverse. There were stories from Afghanistan and stories from Ethiopia, the civil war going on there, people who just experienced those things where they're speaking. And then there were people selling uh, jewelry to help other countries, you know, people in other countries that, for different reasons that they need to help. So it is sort of a hodgepodge and it does seem like anybody can show <laughs> up and be part yeah. of this, a beautiful hodgepodge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anybody can show up and be a part of this with their brokenness, with their poverty, with their health issues, whatever it is. It's not like they have to show up and say, I'm here to be the hero. It can be, I'm showing up here at your home or wherever it is. Yeah. Just to kind of feel this, just to be a part of experiencing what love and support feels like. Yeah. Is that true for you? It is so true. And that's what I, that's why I talk about one of the other kind of themes is everyday or daily life, because what you're saying Mm -hmm. is, you know, if that means my everyday moment right now, when I show up somewhere is, you know, like you said, being sick or being down or feeling discouraged or feeling alone, you know, we have to be able to, uh, be in community and have conversations yeah. in in the midst of wherever we find ourselves. If we wait for ourselves to feel heroic, I don't know how many of us are ever going to show up <laughs> right. ever. You yeah. know? Maybe today, but not tomorrow, you know, so maybe this right. hour so, and not next hour. So yeah, the community I, really is an idea of providing that like a uh, cauldron yes. or, you know, a, Crucible, I guess is a better word that everyone's just kind of contained together and one yep. person's strong, one person's weak at that moment. So that's yep. really, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's an unusual thing. Um, so, but mm-hmm. you do have ties with other organizations like threads, for example, was someone who was present at that community meeting. Um, so how do you connect with other organizations like threads? And maybe <laughs> if you want to talk about what threads is, that's, that's great too. But just in general, because I know on your mission statement, you do talk about with governments or with individuals and with other nonprofits. Yeah. So one of the answers that I have for that is, I don't know if if you can call to mind one of those dot to dot um, pictures that you might have had as a kid, you know, where it was like, I love them. There's a whole bunch of dot, right? I forgot about them, but I love them. Yeah. At first, it just looks like a whole bunch of dots and you don't yeah. know really what the picture is. And right. then as you go along, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a rainbow or a, you know, yeah. or a house or a flower. Right. And for me, that is my picture of this connection piece you're talking I about. See. It's the joy That's... of finding like, my goodness, look at um, in this little corner of the world or a topic around human trafficking. How do we 
um, connect the dots so that instead of each of these organizations or individuals kind of being on their own little dot all by themselves, how do we connect the dots so we can be inspired by each other? We can learn from each other. We can collaborate and work together and harness our, you know, connect our different communities so that we can spread the word and kind of amplify each other's voices. So that's for me, my life is kind of this big dot to dot picture, you know, connecting the dots in very practical, tangible ways of how can we do this so that we can really make a difference together. So give the example of threads and how you work with them. Yeah. So like most of the dots that I like to connect with, it generally, I would say 90% of the time starts with a friendship. So Kara and Ange are co-founders of Threads Worldwide. And in fact, Threads Worldwide, the company they started, was burst out of their own friendship. So it's just, mm-hmm. I, I guess I emphasize that because I, it is. And it's just, I, I really think friendship and um, very like our daily relationships is an important thing to, to, to realize that's really where the change is made. Because if we think it has to be something like really epic, yeah. you know, connecting with, you know, a, an organization that we have no personal ties right. to, or we we don't really have a way to find, like, who do we send an email to? How do we connect? Yeah. It's just starting with who we know right. and seeing where we can you know, build from there. So with the co-founders of Thread, Threads Worldwide, my dear friends, Kara and Ange, we have been friends, I think, for around the same, like five, six years, kind of like us, yeah. Deborah. And, and so in all of those years, we've just been talking about and looking for ways to gather people, to share stories, to share the incredible work that Threads is doing to empower women artisans around the world, to bring women together and celebrate community here in the United States, build sustainable livelihoods for both the folks that are on their sales team here in the U.S. and their artisans around the world. And so we've probably done a dozen gatherings, events together, um, because we just like working together and we like finding ways to, you know, fuel and support each other's work. So for that event, we started with threads and I invited my friend Fatima from Ethiopia and my friend Shakayak from Afghanistan to come and share their stories and Fatima cooked food. And so it's kind of like, we just built the bricks of the event all based on friendship and how can we create something that's going to really um, inspire people and give them tangible ways to feel like they're a part of something yeah. special. Well, and it did because you hear stories from, from these two lovely women and, but then you can also uh, go and you, uh, this was pre uh, holiday season. I think it was October or something. So you had all this jewelry from threads and that, so people could buy Christmas gifts or, Hanukkah yeah. gifts or whatever holiday they celebrate or buy themselves something, yeah. which there's a lot of that going on too. And these were homemade, <laughs> this is homemade jewelry by women from around the world. And so the money went back to all these different communities. Right. So, so just, yes. it's, it's just like woven, as you said, throughout the entire event is, you know, the celebration of we're in this together, we can help together. It can be tangibly helped, or if you don't have money, you yeah. can sit there and listen and, and yeah. be filled up with some of those beautiful you know, stories and the companionship, really. I mean, honestly, my friend Joan, who came with me, we, we just, that was just like, that was something, you know, kind of, there was something substantial that happened, not like a typical bunko get together, a bunch of, you know, neighborhood card game. I mean, it was like, whoa, something happened that night. So um, right. is that something that you do, these gatherings, like, um, you know, I've been there. Yes. Well, I've been to a couple of different ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how often do we say this pre COVID? (laughs) I did it a lot. Back in the old (laughs) days. um, Back in the, so, you know, it's kind of neat. I mean, looking at when we had that gathering that you and Joan were at, um, it was kind of in this (laughs) little bubble of a time where it was safe to gather. And then, you know, got lucky. Yeah. Kind of shut down. So, um, whenever, I can gather people, as you say, with a purpose, with a sense of how can we create um, an event that will fill people's cups up and meet them in their whatever is happening in their everyday lives. I love to do that. Yeah. 
Well, I know you love to do it. And in fact, I was going to see if I've, so this other, this book that you wrote, uh, 2018, I think it was, and there's a companion book that goes with it, but this is called live a blaze and light up the world. And it's an, it's also an incredible book. I, uh, it's one of the books that you can just pick up and read a page, you know, or have a, just a, a moment, just a, like we just shared before we, we came on, you know, we shared a, a, a moment of pause, but you call it pop. What is it? What does POP stand yeah, a for? A place of pause. Place of pause. And yeah. you forget how important that is in life. But this, this book is, is chock full of uh, a number of different, um, just supportive ways to look at things. If you want to help the world, if you want to help yourself, if you want to, uh, live a blaze and light up the world. It's just how to live a very robust, rich, meaningful life. And one of the, one of the uh, things that I, I thought of that just now is that you mentioned in there how important it is to have a tribe, um, and how you really can't do anything of significance without a tribe, which I, when I read, pushed back on that because I'm, I'm more the introvert, half introvert, half extrovert, uh, person. And I am not a, as much of a community gatherer. I enjoy them, but, uh, uh-huh. it is hard for me to believe that you can't make a change alone. I think uh-huh. there are people who have, it's probably not as typical. Would you mm. talk about that a little bit? Because yeah. you're pretty strong about it in the book. Like even speaking to complete introverts saying, yeah, you need a little, you need a little help. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I totally well, agree. So sell me on that idea. Ooh, I like it. Sell you <laughs> on it. Um, first of all, I too am an introvert. Uh, and definitely that's why I talk about those places of pause, those pops. Mm-hmm. I really believe that um, for the most part, I and much of the world as I look around has way too much activity and, and, uh, right. not enough margin. Um, and yeah. so it, it has been, and will continue to be a lifelong journey for me of, of kind of, um, finding my, my latest way to think about that is just to, to live in a deeply spaciousness mm-hmm. in my activity level. And then just in my, in my thinking and in my soul. Mm-hmm. So, so introverts of the world unite. I'm with you on that. <laughs> That's a good um, line. <laughs> And I still, (laughs) as an introvert, and maybe even more so, um, the reason that I talk about um, the importance of having a tribe, a community of people that that we journey through life with, Mm -hmm. again, regardless of introvert or extrovert, is because I just really believe that all of us have seasons where if we're left to our own ways of navigating it, we will get mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I, I think there's, um, there's certain patterns, vulnerabilities I have in my life where I just, you know, I'm, I'm blind to something in myself or in the sure. world. And yeah. it takes someone that really knows and loves me to be like, you know, to, 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 to have a conversation about some of these <laughs> things that I might yeah. miss otherwise. Yeah. Or if I find myself really struggling and um, confused or overwhelmed to be able to have people that I can be really open and honest with about that kind of raw, I call them like raw and real gritty human moments where maybe they don't fix it. They probably can't. Um, But just to be witnessed and companioned by someone while Mm -hmm. I'm kind of not at my, not at my best. I think is incredibly nourishing and um, like it's fuel for me for the journey. Well, I know in my own life, one way that it really does help me is to give Mm. me that push, that nudge out of the the warm bed, (laughs) you know, to, you know, you're bigger than this. You have more to give than you're giving right now. And maybe getting over this current problem you're having will come from you reaching out to the world in a, in a more robust way. So the, I, that's for me, how a, how a tribe really that's helps. That's a great and way the to The tribe say it. can be my family or it can be my you know, next door neighbors or whatever, but it just, yeah. it's, it's the people around you who are like, but I think you have to open up to let that in too, because you can also put 
You can also put barriers around yourself to not accept those those nudges into the world or to, you know, let you know where you what you could do and uh, where you needed perhaps. So so I, I, I totally, totally love the idea of the tribe. I totally enjoy it and I and I, I do seek it out. But I, I, I do maintain and, and I, I don't think you would argue with this that there are people who are such introverts that would they would flail, they would not enjoy that that outwardly grouping and and maybe their thing is just to you know write a book and that book like Rachel Carson or someone who uh, wrote Silent Spring back whenever it was in the 50s one of the first books on the environment I mean I don't know if she was an introvert out, out or an ex, extrovert but um, yeah. you can make change I think I, there's room for everybody Absolutely. on the spectrum yeah yeah well and yeah. you know the other thing is I think for me um I, I love what your point is, is you know, being aware of what, what it is that helps fuel your unique way of showing right. up in the world. Yeah. And for some people, it's rarely going to be like the gathering that you're talking about. That'd be overwhelming. That's too yeah. many people. It might be just, you know, yeah. sitting next to you by your cozy fire that's flickering yeah. behind you yeah. and having a cup of tea and just yeah. talking about, it can be a tribe of a couple people. Yeah. Um, Right. It doesn't have to be like the masses. It's just well, not, right. not, not everybody going has it a alone. Way to not do that. going it alone. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're living in your car, you know, and that's your home for the time being. Yeah. Uh, they also have, those individuals also have a way. I was in a COVID, uh, mm. I don't know what to call it, like on Facebook. It's a Facebook group that my daughter told me about. There's just people in the community who needed help during COVID. And it was just... Wow. I could actually, if I really talked about it, I'd get emotional because the it was just like, Hey, I, my, you know, I'm pregnant. Uh, my, my kids are sick. I don't have food. Literally show a picture of the refrigerator. Can anybody help me out tonight for dinner? Like that, that hand to mouth and the people. Wow. So I've been to a couple of the houses of people who needed help or people who were giving help. And I'm telling you, they were in the projects. They were not, you know, people sitting in a, in a, anything, you know, sometimes they're in a motel and those were the people giving. So just to say, you know, they were taking and they were giving back and forth and it was, it's yes. still on there. I can't remember the exact support group name, but if you ever want a, a boost to humanity, just hop on there and just see the number. Where are you? I can bring you gas. You know, 30 people wow. will show up online and say, did wow. you get it? So it's, it's powerful. And that's a, a really lovely, um, example, I think, of how anybody can, can really help in this time at any time, not just this time. It kind of, yeah, kind of spurs us on when we're in a moment like COVID that, or not after 9-11 or any of these times, you see people try a little bit more, but, um, right. it's good to, to keep, to keep it going. That's your, that's you, you know, you're keeping it going yes. in, in all times. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, okay. So mm -hmm. let's, I'm really excited to talk about this book and have you talk about it. There's just so much here and, uh, I don't know where you want to begin. Maybe, can you maybe begin how you met, you know, we, or maybe, I don't know, you can do, try this any way you like, but um, the, the one point that I guess I wanted to open it up with is that the main storyteller, and how did you say Devisara? How do you pronounce her, her first? Devisara Hanabadi. De okay, so, but do you call her Hana, right? Is yeah. that how she goes? Okay. Or Hannah. Or you know, Hannah. She's, she basically... She, she goes by whatever name people want to call her. Americans, you know, you, you see, they see the word Hannah, Hannah, you know, yeah. Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> and Hannah. then in Nepal, when people see the Hannah, they, it's, they call it Hanna. It's yeah. just, so there's all these, so she yeah. is, well, I, but her, her birth name is Devi Sarabadi. And okay. she's known now by many people around the world by Hannah. Okay. So I'm going to call her Hannah. That sounds like the easiest yeah. thing and the most Let's respectful. Let's do it. Um, but one thing you said, I, I think it might've been on the press release for the book or somewhere that I read that she, she wanted you, she and her sisters and other, the other girls and women, uh, wanted you to tell the story because you're an American and they're untouchables, which means that people are not listening to what they have to say about their own community, about their own, you know, difficult history they've had and current, uh, current situation with poverty, traffic, human trafficking, etc. This is in Nepal and we'll set it up, but I thought that was really important because I was kind of curious at the beginning, well, why are you writing their story? And then it made all the sense that 
in Nepal, the, the lowest class of untouchable, the lowest caste, and these are the lowest of the lowest caste, the body people, B-A-D-I, nobody would listen to them if they said it. And so they needed that voice. They needed that. If, when they see that people, an American, wrote a book and they're coming to Nepal to talk about it, then they'll listen. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, as long as the voices are authentic, mm-hmm. you know. And so so let's go back to how you met them, how you met Hana and her sisters, which is not a movie, Hana and her sisters. I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. I've never even okay. thought about that. <laughs> I didn't think of it until this now either. Um, how did you meet? How did this all begin? Yes. So it began like so much of our lives do because I in no way had any intention that I was going to write a book with Hannah and her sisters. (laughs) I simply said yes to host them when they came um, through Denver, Colorado, which is where I live. They were then uh, on a film tour, Mm. premiering a film uh, crafted by an amazing friend of mine. His name is Grant Nisley, and the film is called Untouchable Children of God. Wow. And it is a film about the body people that you just spelled, B-A-D-I, the body people, uh, this caste or class in Nepal that is, as you say, Deborah, the lowest of the low in terms of social hierarchy. And they physically are not allowed. They are not free to enter into homes of people that are higher caste than them, which is everyone. So, so anyway, so they... Can I interrupt you before this next, just for clarification for for the listeners? Because um, the castes are now illegal in Nepal. I can't remember what year that happened. But just like racism or just like women's rights or just like slavery... It continues for decades. It has that life, like a top that goes on spinning, you know, for many decades. So it is illegal to have a caste system, but the, the yeah, cultural, that movement the culture started, doesn't change. No, the movement for making it illegal started in the mid in the mid 1950s. Mm-hmm. It was officially abolished in 62 okay. in Nepal. But as you say, it is alive and well in much of Nepal. In fact, Debbie Sarah Hanabadi, our lead storyteller, was just like last week, had to leave the apartment that she was renting, paying rent in, because her landlord found out that she was body and did oh not want to be drinking from the same water source, didn't want to be using the same stairs to get up to their, you know, they go up the stairs and then one door is to the right and one is to the left. She didn't want to be stepping in the same stairs as Hannah. So, so how was that a legal thing that she could force her to leave if it's illegal? There's no... There, there's there's no, no enforcement of anything way like for that. Her. So, yeah. ha- and she, um, and Hannah loves plants. So she had all these potted plants mm. in her, um, leading up to her place in this land, her landlord threw them all off, mm. like yeah. smashed them to smithereens. Yeah. And Hannah wow. said in that moment, she herself felt smashed. To smithereens. It feels very, it feels said, very visceral. Yes. She said, we're just writing a Throwing book. It's about to come out next week. Cause this happened last week. It's about to oh. come out and this is happening. Oh. But then she does like she does. And like the invitation is for, for, for us as human beings, you know, how do we use that pain, that anger, the hurt feeling mm. like totally demoralized yet again. And she chose to use it to fuel, put that fuel into how do I, how do I share this story? How do I well, live with yeah. love? Yeah. And, um, and she's going to be okay. She has a, a, well, a roof yeah. over her head. And, yeah. um, but, but I say that because it is illegal, but uh, it's yeah. very significant current reality right now. Right. Yeah. Sister Hannah. Yeah. That's so, actually, I'm glad you shared that story. Yeah. So, so anyway, so these, um, this is 12 people ended up needing a, a place to stay for a week for this film. Oh. Um, their film tour stop here in Denver. So um, our our house had like six of them. And then some of the others were like parceled out to neighbors and friends around mm-hmm. the city. And um, I wish I could go into all the detail about that because that was an amazing time. Huh. Yeah. But what happened again, because um, I think so much of what really matters just happens 
in the context of our daily life, like I just said yes to hosting some, yeah. some strangers from Nepal in our yeah, house. Which is not a small thing together. to do. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah. We, we had cooked together and sip tea yeah. together. And I tried to do some Bollywood dancing together. I'm <laughs> not a good dancer. And we went on some road trips to get them to different speaking engagements. Oh. And during the course of just sharing our stories, talking about life, they um, heard that I am a writer and we had this very, very special, very quick, very deep connection. And on one of our road trips to, to get to one of their speaking engagements, they asked me, Sarah Didi is sister in Nepali. Sarah Didi, would you write our story? We have been looking and praying for five mm. years for someone to be that person. And we think you're the one. <laughs> Whoa. That's hard. That's and, a hard offer to turn down. Well, in that moment, I had all the reasons to turn it down that you mentioned in the intro. Like, I, there's surely there's someone more educated about caste and about yeah. human trafficking and about yeah. Uh, the country of Nepal and, you know, someone that has their PhD in one of those <laughs> studies or something. Or it's someone Nepali. Who's more, yeah. Or someone mind. who's Nepali, you know, right. all the reasons. Yeah, and, right. um, you know, I, the way I navigate really big decisions generally mm -hmm. is talking to trusted friends, mm -hmm. uh, praying a lot, being quiet and listening. And I kind of took uh, a month or so to kind of do those things and, mm -hmm. and came out of that with this, like, I think I don't totally understand it yet, yeah. but what I do sense is that it's a yes. And then I'm going to have to figure out all the stuff I don't understand to make my way into the yes. Interesting. <laughs> so, so that's, it, it just became, but I always do a ground and the book, the book didn't, the book started, um, in a very simple, ordinary way of a, a, a week long sleepover in my house, hosting a whole bunch of amazing young folks from Nepal. So then they took you, once you decided that, yes, you're all in, which speaks a lot to who you are as a person, right? That you're, you're brave. You'll take these leaps of faith that, you know, you'll jump and then the road will appear kind of a person, right? <laughs> um, so how did you go to Nepal? Like, how did that unfold? And what was that right, like? So, yeah, so that, so the other part I want to mention is that they came, this community um, from Nepal came in 2015. Okay. And now it's 2022. So that's been seven years of, um, of a journey to make my way, you know, I said yes in 2015 mm -hmm. and <laughs> seven years transpired. And so I want to mention that because um, that's one of the things I love about the story of this book is I think many of us have dreams in us that it's like, there's a sense of I've waited way too long for this, or I've been working way too hard and nothing uh, is happening or, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, <laughs> Maybe, maybe I didn't hear the yes. Maybe it was a no and I'm just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I need to just. Fumbling and stumbling and yeah. Yes. And it, there was a lot choice. of that in the yeah. last seven years. It has not been this like roller coaster of all. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of like perplexing and confusing and frustrating and yeah. overwhelming moments. But in 2016, the next step was let's, I'm going to go to Nepal. And yeah. I'm going to be a part of, um, I'm going to go to the, the villages, these body villages in the far west of Nepal. Um, they currently, the, the body people for the most part are not, they don't own land where their villages are. They've been a, a community that has been without, uh, granted, they have not been granted citizenship in Nepal. They don't own the land. There's oh, a lot of, they, of what, where, where do they come from? I did well, not they know have they were lived in, they, they have lived in Nepal, but they have not been legally 
um, granted citizenship because until, they're Catholic. Yeah, until a, a, around 2007, something started okay. happening yeah. that is slowly, slowly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we made our way to these villages and had lots of conversations. And for me, it was just about, um, you know, getting my feet on the ground and, and getting my, my, myself there to be in the space and drinking chai and having food and listening and watching and learning. And you were um, alone? You went by yourself? I went by myself on that trip. Yeah. And, but I wasn't alone cause I went and Hannah was our, yeah. was our activist and lead storyteller was mm-hmm. my, um, my steady companion. And then a, a handful yeah. of other really amazing folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, then we began, uh, Hannah assembled the storytellers, two of her biological sisters and two friends that in Nepal, any, you know, it's just, everyone is your sister and brother. So she yeah. calls them all her sisters, yeah. but two are her biological sisters, two are her friend, you know, sisters. Okay. And, um, all four of those young women were trafficked out of Nepal into New Delhi and were enslaved in the um, red light districts in New Delhi for anywhere from one to 13 years. And all of them were rescued or are free. And these, these girls, which is why there's hope and why there's heroism and and their rescue, I think it's pretty unusual. um, You know, that I'm not sure that I'm correct in that, but it, it seems to me that it's a more unusual uh, situation that somebody actually comes for them because aren't they often, at least I know some in the book were, were actually um, sold by their own family members, by a cousin. Yes. Or, or, and sometimes they're promised at yes. birth to be. So this is, we're talking about hundreds or I don't know the number of years exactly, but generations and generations that this has been going on. Right. And, uh, how do you, when it's your own cousin or father or mother who sells you, you know, who's going to come for you? So it is, I think their rescue and and it it just feeds into that whole idea that, you know, if you're a slave or if you're, if you've been treated as such a subhuman, it was with no dignity for so many years, it's, it's hard to find your own dignity. Um, which is why this is such a great story because it, it sounds like the beginning, maybe it's not the beginning, but close to the beginning of restoring that dignity. It seems yes. like that's part of this journey that you're helping. Yes. And, and you are right, Deborah. The, what I, the statistic I have heard is that less than 1% of women Ooh, and girls ever funny. escape or are rescued from these brothels. So these four, I just got goosebumps again. These four, they are heroic. It is miraculous. And to your point, the rescue or escape is, is one step in the arc of their story to living free and being healed and having dignity because the whole complex series of systemic cultural realities in their family and their nation, um, they still have to go back to and live from. So in fact, you know, as your story just revealed from last week. Yeah. Yes. So, so yes, it, it, it is both a miracle and, and the miracle continues as they continue to live free because there's still all those things that they went back to that they still have to figure out a way to, to live free within and to, to thrive within. Not easy. So talk a little bit about what is the next steps are going to be, because I know you've got some tools that people can, you know, whisper people can get involved and, and, and what's Hannah going to be doing? Maybe start by talking about her role a little bit because she's so strong and she's such an activist and has such high aspirations for herself. So how yeah. does, how do you see this going forward with your trip back there and the, you know, I don't know how you're going to amplify this story in that society, but it'll be really interesting to watch. So what are you next? Cause you're going um, what, in three weeks, I, have, I think you said. Yep. Yeah. We leave three weeks from today. We will oh, be wow. landing yeah. in, in, in Kathmandu. Uh, so what I love about the answer to that question, we have some ideas and we have big ideas and I'll speak to those, but I want to start with, 
we're also kind of curious, kind of to your point, like, yeah. how is this going to go? <laughs> Who is going to listen? Yeah. Uh, who's going to uh, loudly oppose what we are looking to share? And so stay tuned. I'll let you know how that yeah. goes. Yeah. But um, yes, but the, a couple of our, our next steps. Number one, I would love to start with your question about start with Hannah, because she, as you say, is fierce. She is, I mean, she was born fierce. The mm-hmm. stories in our book that, y- you know, you catch this glimpse of this young woman that was born in this low caste, impoverished. She was not educated um, reality growing up. But she remembers, even as a kid, like she would fight anyone that was looking huh. to shut her up. Like she huh. was born with a voice she's, that was she's ready. born for this vision with this yeah. purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love that. And um, yeah. so the the thing that I want to start with with Hannah is um, she has started an organization called Himalayan entrepreneur resources. The acronym is her in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, has pulled together. So two of our, two of the sisters in our book mm-hmm. are on her, um, board of, of activist women that are leading this organization. And, um, there's nine of these women that are part of her and they are looking and Hannah's vision is to really go in to her people, to other Dalit low caste communities, along with mm-hmm. the body people and find ways to really strongly empower women, whether that's vocational training, whether that's microenterprise loans, whether that's um, health and hygiene. There's a lot of these women when they come back from the brothels, when they get too old, if they are sent home or if they do escape, their bodies have been wrecked. Managed. So she's looking to... Um, provide just health health care for for yeah. their bodies so that they yeah. can live life um, anyway so she goes and she asks questions you know what do you need she doesn't assume she knows even though she's body yeah. she asks yeah. questions how can I be of service and whatever yeah. she hears she looks to um, you know help with education of the kids so she is on the ground doing this work right now Mm-hmm. Um, she is also going to school, finishing her, her undergraduate education. Uh, she is working. How old is she, she now? 26. Okay. 26. Yeah. She was elected by her people as, um, uh, as, as a body youth spokesperson to the government I of Nepal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> and, and she is very eye on the prize climbing to reach her goal of her dream to be prime minister of Nepal. She is doing everything she can. Her education is to that end. Her work is to that end. So she is up to some amazing things and um, is um, very good at bringing people around her to get there. And then very good mm-hmm. at like being very practical. Like how do I, what do I need to do? So she's that's, a leader. She's a born leader. She's a leader. She's a yeah. born leader. Um, but then I want to speak to, you were asking Deborah about, you know, what are some of the other things we're looking to do? Right. Um, and maybe what know, people can of, do that are, that want to get involved in yes. some way. So, like me. <laughs> so hope, this thread of hope was one of the things we wanted to pull through this book. And the other yeah. is this very question. We wanted to share these stories and invite people to read these horrifying kick you in the gut stories, not just to sensationalize or to stay distant and look at this, this horrifying cultural situation. We really wanted to share these stories so that when people got fired up to say, this is not right Mm -hmm. to then follow with a question and our answer, you know, please come and join and do something with us to combat this. So Mm -hmm. we built a human trafficking toolkit that we have on our Seeds of Exchange website. We'll provide it in the, in the show notes. But mm-hmm. we built that with this idea of when people get fired up and think, oh my gosh, either this is brand new or I've been passionate about this my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, we put together, and it's a living, breathing document. So if, if anyone wants to, um, yeah. you know, 
tell us about someone that's doing work in the arena of human yeah. trafficking, yeah. let us know. But we have books and films and things to inspire, quotes, organizations working around the world and in the United States. Um, very much and so. Our, very much a problem our, here. We're talking about a whole other planet, it's, basically, from here in Nepal. And right. it's right like three blocks from here, probably, you know, or next door. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we put this toolkit together with this idea that um, if something remains too big and we feel like there's no way I can do anything about this or, um, you know, or that whole, what could little old me do to right. make a difference in the face of that old yarn. trafficking <laughs> in Nepal? Exactly. Yeah. Right. There are things, people, please believe there yeah. are, there are things. And if the thing is to read the book, to pass it on, to share the stories. Yeah. That is a huge thing. Yeah. Have a book you club, can, have a talk. Yeah. And, you, and you'll yes. go and speak at um, anywhere. Yes. Much, right. Like you're open to yes. telling the story and seeing what, what, what happened there. Yeah. Book churches, clubs, mosques, schools, church, yeah. businesses, faith communities. Yeah. We, and whenever we can, Hannah will be, We've already done three of these. Hannah will be coming in from, from Nepal Amazing. via the wonders That's of wonderful. technology. Yeah, because that voice and she's, is Yes, needed. and she she's flying in to be the keynote speaker at an event and uh, later this year. So she's she can also come. So if anyone has ideas of, of events coming in. What state is her, she going to be speaking in this year? Minnesota and oh, really? in Colorado. She'll be here in Colorado. Oh, oh she will. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. We're putting we'll an event together. will have to follow together. up with that one. Yeah. Oh, that's Let's exciting. Let's do it. That would yeah, be amazing. That would be, that would be great. You know, and the other um, thing is our, oh, go ahead, Deborah. No, no, continue. Just Okay. The last thing I want to say is mm -hmm. we mentioned this in our toolkit, but one of the other initiatives of Seeds of Exchange is we have the Seeds Giving Fund and um, we created that to make giving easy to make giving be this way that people can be really, really connected and give what they can. So our, our invitation, we kind of count it like a, a giving subscription mm -hmm. um, to be able to give $10, a couple, two lattes a month is kind of our, mm -hmm. our, our ask. Um, and you just sign up once. And then as we go, we're partnering all year long in 2022 with human trafficking organizations oh, all right. um, around great. the world and around yeah. the United States yeah. to be able to really shine a light on what they're doing and support the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And right now we're, we're uh, fundraising on behalf of, of Hannah's organization in Nepal. So That's amazing. That's that really good to know. Great thing. So we will put in the show notes, but just for, in case for people who just like to hear it and go do something, it's seedsofexchange.org. Is that right? That's it. Like exchange, mm -hmm. like seeds of E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E. -E. So you got the word change in there, I see. Yes. <laughs> seeds of exchange. It's one of your favorite little things. You pull things out of words and- I do. You know, I love it. Yeah, I know. I don't think that's going to translate to the audience, but if they read your book, they'll understand. Um so let's, I just want to touch a little bit more about, um, your influences. Cause really, again, this, this, this show is about as much as we talked about Hannah and every, and, and everyone else, what, what brought you into it? You know, why do some people have a lot of people have desires to help? I hear it every day. I've been hearing it all my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm just, I've got, you don't understand. I've got a family, I've got a job, I've got health issues. I've got, you know, people do have, especially now the most challenging situations, but there's always those people, like I'd mentioned on that COVID help thing on Facebook that yeah, you don't have to be in any certain place. So what was it about you, um, you know, that allowed people to say, well, she's not, you know, what you tell me, like, what, what was it that brought you into it? And at what age were you thinking, I really need to yeah. be an active person in the world, like not just observing or one quick thing I'll say. Another thing I've noticed is that I see people when they read something, it, it almost feels like they've done something, you know, like they're very concerned mm. about climate change, but then you don't see the action anywhere, you know, or right. I'm very concerned about animal rights, for example, but you know, there's no change in their behavior. So, so what is it that makes you or other people act and not just feel like they did something because it became knowledgeable about the situation? Well, and honestly, that is why 
we talk in Seeds of Exchange about really inspiring tangible ways mm. to care for each other, yeah. and tangible ways to act. And I do believe fundamentally in our core, many, I would argue all people really, it feels good to care for each other, whether it's a very, like you said, the gas, you know, taking a, a, can, a can of gas to someone who's yeah. in need of gas, yeah. that, that imbues your life with meaning. It and actually so that does have is, a physical component to it. Like it, it raises does. your level of, I forget it the. It does. The, and the, so for me, I, I think the, uh, yeah, I don't know either, but I know what you're, <laughs> I know what you're saying. But so, so for me, that is why in the world of seeds of exchange, serotonin, <laughs> but it does, was, it has an exact, it, it raises it. And I've even seen people talk about is it selfish to be helpful? Because there, there is such a, there is such a rush of joy when you do hand somebody a dollar. I don't care what you do. You yeah. people have experienced that. So sorry to interrupt, yeah. but I no, think it's, it's so yeah. important. It's so important. And so for me, that's one of the tenants for me is how do we, how do I share stories? And then when people feel that like angst of what's happening in Hannah and her sister's lives, to follow it up with like, here's one, one step. It can be a tiny step. And that's yeah. the only step you take. Fine. If a million people take that tiny right. step, yeah. that becomes huge. And, yeah. and so I think however we can in our lives kind of talk with people about small, you know, the honoring and valuing small acts with great love as yeah. this is plenty you don't need to do more because, again, if we wait for the more, sometimes we don't even do the the one small. Right. That's know, right. So, and it's so. like an addiction, like any, like a healthy addiction, you know, that once you do yeah. it, there you don't want to stop, right? No. You, you might hand somebody a dollar and then next time you might want to, you know, walk across the street and they take a little more effort to, to hand somebody $2. Like it, it builds yes. on itself. And, and as you it enjoy does. the... The, the benefits of it yourself, it also does help you want to keep going. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. But you, you were asking about my, my, you know, yeah. when did it begin or young influences. And so for mm -hmm. me, you know, I was the kid at a very young age. I had my room like wallpapered with national geographic, um, you know, yeah. photos of, of communities yeah. from around the world. And I just, I always loved to read that. Those were the yeah. stories I would love yeah. to read. Um, and at that point it was more like you're saying, I was more devouring stories, but I didn't really have any idea how I could myself engage with them. Mm -hmm. I was just learn. I was just, I was learning. I was a young, young one taking yeah. it all in, but curiosity about the world and, and love. And there was, there was a love that was being born in my heart for people in the world, mm -hmm. even at a young age, I, I do see yeah. that. And so I had the, the good fortune and the blessing of being able to go to India for the first time when I was 15. So, you know, uh -huh. my, my, my perspective about the world, my body, my whole, I'm still growing, like I'm still forming. And so yeah. I really believe having this formative experience yeah. really helped to, to put my life in this trajectory that it is now because, um, even then I remember having these moments of being in, in, in Calcutta and just being overwhelmed by the differences, you know, the, the language and the smells and the music the number and the of stories and the yeah. press of people. But yeah. right next to that, I was also so struck by, by the commonality, by this, by the, the ways, especially when I talked with people, you know, talked with mothers and their desire for their children to have food and to have education mm -hmm. and to have their dreams come true. You know, the desire of people to, to be able to make a difference in the world. I yeah. remember at 15 talking with people and being like, wow. So we're not all the same by any stretch, right? Right. but in our core, there is a lot that, that connects us, that is similar. And so I became super passionate even when I was 15 at coming home and how do I share that story of yeah. celebrating the differences yeah. and also saying, but, and 
look at all of these similarities. And, and I really was even compelled then, like how to invite people after I talked about my trip. I remember going to the Rotary and talking to all the, yeah. all these old folks wow. back yeah. then, right? 25 and 30 year olds, 40 year olds. Yeah, I'm sure they're yeah. right. Yeah. But, but then, you know, really having specific things. So I started fundraising even then, you know, for, for the orphanage uh, where I volunteered. Yeah, I see. You know, if you tell a story, how do you share something, a way to be able to. Yeah. Cause yeah. otherwise it's just a story, right? Yeah. No, yeah. It's not, like a, not that a, there's anything. I think any story is important, even if there's nothing I that agree. pulls it up because it, it changes us and it, it educates yes. us. But yes. Yeah. You know, I would yeah. really encourage people to, um, a couple things that you said that really spoke to me. One is that uh, you were obviously born with this in your heart, you know, or, and it yeah. was, and it was, it flourished as it traveled and had some opportunities that maybe not everybody has had, but I, there are, I have seen in my own life, like people who really never had that calling. They just really don't. And it's nothing good, bad, or indifferent, but it just, you know, I'm trying to take care of my family and that's my yes. value, you know, and yes. my neighborhood or my own community. Those were, those are their values. Um, but it is interesting that people who have never helped anything and then they just get this calling at some time in their life, they might be 80 years old. They might be, I remember yes. one time I got my family to donate to, um, uh, to make some things for the sh local shelter, you know, homeless shelter. It was, mm -hmm just a little thing like a Christmas. And I, I will never forget the difference. Like my father was so excited, like instead of just, you know, he never did that kind of thing, but you put the structure in or you give the idea or you show the way. And like, he was a different person. He goes mm. down to some wholesale place and he's stacking up and then he's telling everybody what he did. And, you know, it, it, it's because he grew up in a place of real impoverishment and, and, you, mm -hmm. and not really learning to do that. So some people just need to be exposed or to feel, yes. it, you know, you don't have and to make think, well, easy. I didn't grow up like Sarah and, and was struck at the age of 10 Thank or 15. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. It can happen anytime. Yes. Yeah. And be small. Yes. And I, yeah. I love though, you know, the, I, I do fundamentally believe every person has a, a gift to give to the world. It's Absolutely. not yeah. philanthropy and giving is not for the millionaires and it's not even always about money. You know, no. it can be about a small act of holding yeah. a door open for someone. Or, or... an extra neighbor who I read to because he's blind, but I get more enjoyable yes. than he does. But I mean, it's like, yes. that's like something yes. that's good for both of us. And it there's nothing but time and yourself and your presence. So, yeah, yes. there's so many, there's so many ways to give. Whoa. Um, I'm, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, I do, I do want to ask you one thing because I think it's just a, a good wrap up question maybe. Mm. And it's about, it's about following your dreams, which is something that many people talk about, but how do you know, like, you know, some people will say, well, I was just called to start Seeds of Exchange or I was just mm -hmm. called to write this book or, you know, or be a nurse or be an accountant or whatever, like. How do you know when you have a dream, do you think? Like, do you have a feeling about that? Like, who's telling you you have this dream? Is it for you? Did you have an experience with that? Yeah. Just one technical thing. Do you want to re-ask that? I got a chime in my ear, and I have my phone on Do Not Disturb. I'm really sorry. Did you hear the chime? No. Okay. Never mind. Um, how do I know I have a dream? Here's one of the other pictures I've had with the answer to that. And I just, in my experience in my life, and as I watch people who live, who are dreamers, but tangibly so, they're actually doing things with their dreams. What I yes. notice in my life and in people's lives around me is that it's just about one step at a time. And for me, I kind of talk about it. Another pick word picture uh, I have is it being like a treasure hunt, you know, where mm. it's like today, what do I sense the step towards the dream is today? Even mm -hmm. if I don't have the full picture, even yeah. if, if I have a lot of other needs clamoring, kind of what you're saying, you know, if I'm yeah. in a season where I have no bandwidth to, to feel like I can be a difference maker. My kids need things or my family, my, my work needs things. 
Yeah. What's this one, what's the one thing that is calling me, not a should, not a not to, but just out of desire to mm-hmm. be able to um, mm. move towards that dream. Yeah. And, and also the other thing is to have the long, the long view. I mean, we all have seasons where it feels like this, the dream is just to survive the day, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to make it through this hard season of life. And I think we have to also take, take the long view and say, you know, sometimes that is the work and it is mm-hmm. to say, I might not look like I'm moving towards my dream, mm-hmm. but the seed is there and I'm not going to forget it. But for now I need to just focus on, um, yeah. you know, getting That's very through helpful. Day. That's very helpful. Cause dreams, Sometimes they do have to wait. People say they can't wait. Sometimes they do have to wait, yeah. but it doesn't mean you're not, you're not cogitating. You're not. And I think the key word you said there for me anyway, was desire. Like, how do you know if you're supposed to do something? How do you know if you're called or how do you know if you, you know, whatever it is, do I want to go to grad school or, or anything? Um, it's that desire. You, the same desire keeps coming in from all these different angles. Like you'll see, read something in it, it. You know, your, your mind is searching for, for evidence, totally. I think or for answers. And so if it, if it's a desire that doesn't go away, you know, and it just keeps coming back to you, I think that's for me anyway, I think that's, that was a perfect word just to use was desire because it's subtle, you know, it's subtle. You don't, it's not going to come and knock you on the head and say, do this, you know? Right. Um, but that, that's it. That's a great answer. Sarah, this has just been so great. I don't know. I love hearing about everything you talked about. Mm. Um, I would love you. you to maybe if you just want to take a minute to talk about how people can, I, we have the, you have the website seedsofexchange.org, but if people, let's say they wanted to be part of your community or they wanted to learn more, is it, is it all on the website? Is that the best way? You know, yes. And I, I will get you all the links for the show notes, but here the last yeah. in a minute, that would be the number one thing. However, to your desire word you just pulled out, whatever you've noticed is piquing your interest in our conversation. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what that is. So yes, send me an email, reach out to us through our our contact tab on our website. If there is an event that you have coming up that I or Hannah and I could come speak at, we would love to do that. That's virtual or in person, right? Virtual in person, tiny Mm -hmm. book club big conference or, or, yeah. you know, big stage, little living room, yeah. all okay. big joy for us. Yeah. Um, and please all consider right. donating and joining our seeds giving fund so we can just harness the power of, of what we can do together yeah. to make it. Something people can world. do right now in the next five minutes, if they really felt compelled yeah. to help. And also yeah. we might, we might, uh, where can they get the book? This, um, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon is the best okay. place. And you can also right. grab it on our website. Oh, okay, great. All right. Well, congratulations on the early success. Uh, it's so important you. what you're doing. I mean, honestly, it's it feels so important getting this story out there. And I just, I wish you great success and safety and thank you, a uh, safe you. journey to Nepal. And um, yeah, when Hannah's here, let's uh, let's do this again and get yeah. get a whole conversation going. We can, yeah, that'd be amazing. All right. Thank All you right. so much, Sarah. Thank take care. You. We'll talk Appreciate soon. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Appreciate you too. Bye-bye. Bye.